For me, one of the most difficult aspects of growing a business is balancing the fact that I'm an entrepreneur. I think I can do it all with how do I delegate? How do I outsource? How do I trust other people to do my tasks for me? It's required when you want to scale a business, but it's tough mentally to fathom. The way in which you do that is through flows and processes. And today, our guest is going to talk to you about his experience, his story, and give some advice on how we can use processes to help scale our business without losing our sanity. Stay tuned. Here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan. And in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock, in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AM PM Podcast. Today, like normal, we're talking about entrepreneurship. We're going to get into some really good content. We have a great guest today. We have Trent Deersmid, which is not spelled like it sounds, so it took me a couple times to practice that. But Trent, thanks for being here. Hope you're doing well today. I am indeed, Tim. Thank you so much for making some time to have me on the show. Yes, sir. So as most of you know that are frequent listeners, we try to bring not just great advice, but also people with a lot of experience and some people with clout, right? There's a lot of people that talk a good game, but they may have never been there. There's a lot of people with some great sounding ideas, but they've never really put into play. Trent is not that guy. Trent in Canada has been listed by magazines as a top 40 under 40 entrepreneur. He's had, uh, Trent, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a couple companies now, right? That was listed in the Inc. 5000 list. And some of those lists in Canada and the U.S.? Yeah, my first company was what's called a Profit 100 Fastest Growing Company in Canada, which is kind of like the Inc. 5000 list in Canada. We were on that list for two years, and then I sold it. And we, my current business has been on the Inc. 5000 twice, both last year and this year. Last year, we were number 254, and this year, we were number 622. Well, that's amazing. Congratulations, man. So those of you that are listening, we have somebody with some clout today. And uh, I know that a lot of that has been some somewhat recent success. You know, you weren't one of those guys on that list at 25. I'd like to hear what you were doing in your younger years. But I will preface all this by saying that you've also worked in a lot of genres, right? You've done like traditional e-commerce, you've done Amazon selling, you've built software companies and mastermind products, things like that. But tell me before you got into the e-commerce space and serving the e-commerce space, what were you doing before then? And and kind of give us the, the roadmap of how you ended up here today. Sure. So it starts when I sold my first business, the one in Canada, it was an IT services business and we delivered our services over the internet. Um, but we wouldn't call that necessarily an e-commerce business. Companies didn't like come to our website and sign up to be customers or anything. So I was pretty ignorant about e-commerce. And that was back in 2008 that I sold it. So it was a long time ago. Um, but after I sold that, I moved to California to get away from the rain of Vancouver. And I started surfing each day. And I met this girl surfing. Her name was Haley. And... Each day, uh, I got to, the long story short, I got to know her and she, she was an internet marketer and I, I didn't really know what that was at the time, but she told me that she was an affiliate and she explained to me how that worked and she was only working about an hour per day 
and she was making about $200,000 a year. And I thought, well, that sounds like a pretty good deal. I'm, I was really enjoying my post-sale retirement and I thought I'd just like to stay retired, but I, I still need to generate some income at some point. So I started out to become an Amazon affiliate and in no time I was making two or 3,000 a month as an Amazon affiliate. And that's when I started my first blog and my first podcast. And those blog, that blog and podcast became really popular really quickly because I don't think there was a lot of other bloggers and there wasn't a lot of other podcasts back then. Yeah. And then in 2010, the, the, the uh, Penguin and Panda were two updates that came out to the Google, Google algorithm. And myself and a whole bunch of other people who were doing micro niche sites, we just had our clocks cleaned. I mean, it was, it was over like that. And so I had to reinvent myself. And that's when the Bread Ideas podcast was started. And that actually led us into having a marketing agency, which we, my wife and I, because uh, I got married in and around that time. My wife and I ran that for about four years. But wait, not married to the surfer girl. No. I really thought that story was going to go, I, I'm, I met a girl surfing. We're married now. So you met a girl surfing, learned about affiliate marketing, then met another girl and got married. Correct. <laughs> that story would sound way cooler if it was all, I know. you know, like related. But, oh well. Yeah, Haley, yeah Haley, Haley wasn't into me, so... <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's savage. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> sorry, sorry for the intermission there. Keep going. So in my foray into e-commerce, so, so as a result of the podcast, um, cause I'm, you know, I've got hundreds of episodes now that I've done. I know a lot of people and I call them my internet friends if I've never met them in, in real life. Like you're now one of my internet friends we've never met personally, but we're meeting here. Yes. And, and so there was two of them who were selling on Amazon doing private label and they were literally harassing me to that. I should start every time they talked to me, have you started yet? Have you started yet? Why aren't you starting? We're killing it. And so finally I agreed. I thought I said to my wife, I said, look, you seem to have the agency well in hand. We had one really, really big client that she was service servicing and leading the team. And I thought, I, I can peel myself out of this and I'm going to give a stab at this Amazon thing. And, uh, and I was a miserable failure. <laughs> I, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't take anybody's training course. I didn't have, I had just them. And it, you know, in, in the private label world, it all comes down to product selection. You've got to have, you know, enough demand, not too much competition. And, and being a not rookie entrepreneur with some money, of course, I went in there full of bluster thinking, well, I'm going to pick a more competitive product because I will outmarket everybody else and I want to give myself lots of upside. So I did that and got my ass handed to me. <laughs> so I was, uh, after about four months, we were selling stuff, but I was spending so much on pay-per-click that I was not making any profit. So all of it was a complete waste of time. I did learn a lot of stuff though about Amazon, which was very useful. And it was around then that I interviewed this guy named Dan Metters um, on my show who he was doing and is doing uh, Amazon Wholesale, it's called, or just being a reseller of brand name products. And I didn't even know that was a thing. That's literally how ignorant I was. It never occurred to me that you could approach companies, buy products wholesale, and then sell them on Amazon. And when he explained that to me, I thought, oh man, that's brilliant. I like that because it's super low risk because the products are proven. You can see the sales velocity. Uh, you just buy the things and put them on Amazon and resell them. And, and you know, it was easy. 
So I hung up from that interview and I turned to my wife and I said, you know, we're going to do that like start right now. And so I just basically killed the private label business immediately set out to do that. And within five months, we went from zero to a hundred grand a month in revenue. The first year we did over a million. Now we've been on the Inc 5000 list twice. Uh, so it was, um, it was a life changer and there's a whole bunch of spinoff things, which I'm sure we'll get into in this conversation, how the software company came to be and so forth. But it was a game changer for me at that point in my life. And that was in the summer of 2016 was when I started that. And, you know, these stories always sound great. You know, oh, I, I accidentally found this. I had some failure. Then I went really big. You know, things things worked out great for me. But a lot of times we miss how that actually happened. Like we miss the big aha moments or people don't necessarily talk about the actual things that happened, like the actual steps that had to take place to make those successes happen. And for you, because I know of, you know, your the software that you have and a lot of the stuff that you preach and teach, a lot of that, I suspect can be put on the shoulders of outsourcing and flows, right? So setting up processes, setting up procedures, setting up replicatable functions that you can outsource that will allow you to let things scale. Is that an accurate statement? That is a very accurate statement. I got started with my love of process way back with my first company in Canada. I I read The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, Um, and I was profoundly impacted by that book and literally ever since then, I have been fanatical as a CEO about making sure that we were a process driven company because there's so many benefits to doing it. So when I started the Amazon wholesale business, I, I had already been working with virtual assistants to run my, my blog and my podcast for years. So that was super comfortable to me. And so I never set out to do what most people do. They, they come to understand how to like source products, for example, and then they start doing all the work themselves, um, which is very laborious, very time consuming. And to be honest with you, in this particular business model, it's really very boring as well. And I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that because it's not a good use of my time. So rather than, you know, roll up my sleeves and start paddling my boat like crazy. Instead, what I did was I opened up because I didn't have a software company at this point in time. I opened up a Google doc and I, I did the thing, but then at the same time that I was doing it, I was writing instructions on how to do it because the thing that I was doing, I didn't ever want to do again because it was really just mind numbingly boring and it was going to have to happen Uh, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times. And so I broke the product sourcing process down into, uh, let's see how many steps. So the first step was identifying competitors and then extracting their product catalogs into a spreadsheet. And then having that spreadsheet have a bunch of formulas in it to show me the products that would be profitable versus not. And then having a virtual assistant go on to LinkedIn and identify the company that made each one of the products that was going to be profitable. And then identifying the person at that company that we should talk to using a variety of tools to find their email address. And then ultimately sending them an email that said something along the lines of, Hey, we'd like to open a wholesale account with you. Who do I talk to? Can you send me a price list? So all of that was broken down into, I think it was three or four critical workflows And then I hired a small army of virtual assistants for three bucks an hour to do all that work. 
so that all I had to do was every single day I would come into the office, um, Tim, and I would look at my inbox. And of course, because now we're sending, or my virtual assistants, we're sending hundreds of emails every single week to all of these different brands who had products that I wanted to carry, some of them would reply. A decent, you know, like half of them would reply. And so I just spent all day dealing with, as with my sales guy hat on, dealing with those replies, asking for price lists, doing analysis on profitability of products, trying to negotiate better prices, trying to get the accounts approved. And it worked um, because eight hours a day for the first six months, I did nothing but that. If we won an account, it went to my wife and she placed the order and she double checked everything. And then if we if we promised that brand we were gonna run pay-per-click campaigns or we were gonna optimize their listings, I didn't do any of that stuff. I was literally the closer and I closed like crazy because I had a lot of leads coming into my inbox every day. So fast forwarding a little bit, I know that you've built out systems and processes, tools like for, for e-commerce and you know sellers, business owners. I know that you have also worked extensively with coaching and mentoring business owners in the e-commerce space, not even just on Amazon, but also direct to consumer. So these are going to be your more traditional e-commerce websites. So in addition to building these systems, basically to fulfill your own needs, becoming successful at it as uh, or with them, and then in turn becoming successful as an e-commerce seller, you've worked with a lot of people that are running through their growth process as well. And that's important because I hear people all the time, you know, especially in the Amazon space, posting on the Facebook groups, oh, this is how you do it because they got lucky and it worked once or it worked for them. It doesn't mean that it always works. So those of us that have worked with a lot of sellers have more of a holistic like bird's eye view on what's actually going on in the space. And because you've been in that space, I'd like to ask you about some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making in, you know, their, their, growth process when it comes to setting up procedures, when it comes to outsourcing. Can you tell me some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making day in and day out? How much time you got? <laughs> so, <laughs> so first of all, I do want to quantify or qualify something. I, I've done a decent amount of coaching and actually I really don't enjoy it that much. Um, what I've done a lot more of is providing copies of all of these standard operating procedures to people who wanted to buy them um, because Got it. I spoke at a conference and a bunch of people just you know, said, we really, we, we really want to get that from you. So that said, I still have the opportunity to interact with a lot of people and the mistakes. So let's, let's take a, a newbie. They've been exposed to this idea of selling on Amazon, using the Amazon reseller model, or even starting any business for that matter. Analysis paralysis is a huge mistake, first of all. So people who haven't yet begun the journey, they mistakenly believe that if they watch enough videos on YouTube and listen to enough podcasts and um, do enough brainstorming that some magical idea is going to come to them and they're going to take that idea and they're going to go in a straight line to success. That does not happen. The becoming successful uh, as an entrepreneur is a very iterative process, kind of like a jungle safari. So, and I'll use a story to illustrate my point. So let's say you're Indiana Jones 
and you want to go get, you know, the thing from the Temple of Doom or whatever. So you have your eye on this prize, assuming that you can come up with an idea. And and what happens is, so you go into the jungle and you're trying to find the, the first temple, the first whatever, the first prize. And so you're getting good at mashing through the jungle, but you're really not having a lot of success. But the byproduct of the journey towards prize number one or idea number one is that you actually discover idea number two. And then so you pivot and you think, well, idea number one, like in my case, idea number one was was maybe Amazon private label. Tried it, wasn't super successful at it, had spent a bunch of money, spent a bunch of time, but was immersed in this world of how do I become successful on Amazon? And lo and behold, I, as I'm on my jungle safari, I discovered that there's this other business model called Amazon Wholesale. And there's another one called Amazon Retail Arbitrage and another one called Online Arbitrage and another one called Amazon Brand Management. All of these are prizes in the jungle for somebody to pick up. So in my journey, I discovered that Amazon Wholesale makes a whole lot more sense to me. So I, I alter my path and I go and I go and become super successful at that. So the takeaway, the first takeaway is the most important thing to do is literally just start. And I realize how awful that sounds to the new entrepreneur because they're like, well, just start on what? I don't know. What if, what if I start on this and it's a waste of time? I literally had, I had a friend over at the house the other night who's making a transition from being an employee to employ, self-employed. And he kept getting hung up on, well, how do I start? I just want, I want the exact path. And the thing is, is there isn't an exact path. Everybody's path is different. So by starting, taking an idea, which you've seen other people do and trying to, assuming that it's appealing to you and trying to be successful at it, you may not be successful at that particular idea. Matter of fact, you probably won't be. But what you will happen if you persist, if you stick with it, is you'll discover some other better idea along the way. And you might become moderately successful with that second idea. But as you're trying to become more successful with the second idea, you're going to discover the third idea. And maybe the third idea is the, is the yellow brick road and it's going to take you onto you know, all of your dreams and wealth and whatever it is that your goals are. But if you never started, Tim, you, wouldn't, you would never have discovered the third idea. Because you had to be chasing the first idea to get the second idea, and you had to be chasing the second idea to get the third idea. And so that, that whole analysis paralysis and, and waiting for the perfect idea to come along and just only you know trying to be in business in theory by watching videos and listening to podcasts without actually being in business is by far the biggest mistake that new entrepreneurs make. Now, this, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So the next mistake is trying to do so. So let's say that, okay, I've, I've gotten over analysis paralysis. I have started to do something. So we'll use Amazon wholesale as an example, because I see a lot of people doing this. So they get into the business and they follow the, and maybe they buy my product called webs and they're following the procedures and, and they're doing everything themselves. And I talk to them and I'm like, why, why are you, why are you doing that piece yourself? 
Why are you scouting for competitors on Amazon? Well, because I don't have any revenue yet and I, I, you know, I don't feel like I can afford to hire somebody. Wait a minute. You know you can hire someone in the Philippines for three bucks an hour, right? Well, yeah, I know, but that's going to cost me like, what are you kidding me? You're basically doing $3 an hour work? Why? You're, you've just valued your time at $3 per hour. So there's this, there's this misconception, I suppose, and a lot of the, the gurus out there are totally to blame for this misconception in that people can get into a business and start it for no money whatsoever. That's not true. You're going to need help. You're going you're gonna to need software. You're going to need to hire people virtual assistants to do stuff. So if, I mean, people get into the Amazon reseller space and they want to build a million dollar company and they don't want to spend $5,000 upfront on some training and some software and some people to help them get out of the gates. That's crazy. Like who the hell can build a million dollar business without spending $10? Can't be done. So second biggest mistake is people trying to do everything themselves instead of thinking, can I delegate this? Can I delegate this? Can I delegate this? Because if it's a systematic linear process, it's the same over and over and it doesn't require years of experience. What the hell are you doing that process for? That makes just no sense to me. Absolutely. And that's one of my biggest problems I've had in life is delegating, right? And and here's the, here's the God's honest truth, at least in my opinion. There are some things that I'm going to do better than a virtual assistant. It's just going to happen. Like I can look at products on Amazon. I can, I can do research. I can do, you know, branding analysis better than a VA. So a lot of times I'll say, oh, I'm not going to outsource that. I'm going to do it myself and do it myself. I put it on a to-do list and it never gets done. And then a month later I realize, crap, I could have done it better, but I didn't do it. It would have been better to find a VA for four or $5 an hour even, which is, you know, pretty well paid. Let them do you know, this job at 80% accuracy or 80% efficiency or 80% success rate, but at least I would have had something. Instead, I sit around saying, oh, well, they can't do it quite as well as me. I'm going to do it myself and it never happens at all. Right. And, and that's like the ultimate thing that I see consistently happening with entrepreneurs is we as entrepreneurs are go-getters right? We have confidence. We can do it. We're the man, you know, we're the, we're the expert. Nobody loves this business as much as us, right? I get that. But the truth is we can't do it all. So I am slowly changing the way that I believe, you know, I need to, to delegate and, and spend my time and focus on exactly what you said, you know, value my time. If my time is worth $60 an hour, well, if I hire 10 VAs at $3 an hour, can those 10 VAs be more productive per hour than me alone? Yeah, absolutely. So why am I not outsourcing? And and completely agree with this misconception of you can build a million dollar business tomorrow from nothing. Now, I know people that started nothing and they have million dollar businesses, but they started washing dishes at a restaurant or they started driving Uber. You know, they had to have a little bit of cash flow coming in and slowly rolled it in. Yeah, they, but and I hate like the I'm looking right now at my bookshelf over there, the four hour work week. And I hate that. You know, because what he doesn't tell you is you can set up a four hour work week. Your surfing buddy over there was working one hour, you know, a day, but it took a long time to get to that point. You know, you have to build it first and then let it, let it happen. So yeah, completely agree. Is there another mistake that you see people making day in and day out that you would like to warn them about and, uh, and warn us about, I should say, since we're all in this pool together. Yeah. And it goes hand in hand with the first one is, is 
trying to hire. So someone might be listening and thinking, all right, I'm going to go hire some virtual assistants right now. Well, if you charge out of the gates without having adequate processes in place, and what, so what do I mean? Like what process, what is that? It's a written set of instructions that are highly detailed and ultra specific. So you could give it to your mom who knows nothing about nothing to do with the world of internet, presumably, and mom could do it. If you don't have that, your chances of having success with virtual assistants goes down exponentially because then, you know, you're either trying to hire a VA that already has experience in a certain area, in which case, you know, maybe that'll work, but what if the way that they've been trained to do it by whoever trained them isn't the most effective way? And it, and if you've never done it yourself, how would you know? So you need to do these really boring tasks yourself one to three times so that you can create these processes so that when you hire a VA, they're going to be able to follow your process. And on the off chance that they have some questions, you can actually answer the questions because you've done the process yourself. Whereas if I hired, if I didn't have a process and I'd never tried to scout products myself and I hired a VA to go scout products for me because they told me on their, their resume that they had product scouting experience, how the hell would I know if they were doing it any good or not? How do I could be just, they could be hopeless and I wouldn't know because I've never done it and I didn't supply them with a process to do it the way that I wanted it and needed it to be done. So that is also uh, a huge area where people make mistakes and I know why they do it because it's, I'll use the logger analogy. They're, they're so busy chopping down trees. They don't have any time to sharpen the ax. They feel like, Oh, I just don't have time. And that's why, Honestly, that's why people, after I gave that speech years ago at a conference with 500 other Amazon resellers in the audience, and I spent an hour talking about my processes, never thinking that anybody was going to want to buy these things. Um, that's why people came up to me afterwards and they said, could we buy them? Because they didn't want to spend the year that it took me to make them all. And I understand that. And that makes good sense. Um, and, and so that created an entirely new business opportunity for me, kind of by accident, um, but in the event that, you know, there isn't a me out there with processes available for whatever business that you're in, guess what? You got to make them because if you don't make them, you're never going to scale. You can have in business, you can have growth or you can have control. Take your pick because you can't have both. Well, I think you can have growth after control, but you can't have them both at the same time. You're right. Like you either, I use the analogy, you got to slow down to speed up. Correct. And, and let me just quantify what I mean by that. Like I have control of all of my companies and they're growing. So I'm not saying I'm out of control. What I mean is people who struggle to delegate will say, well, nobody can do this thing as good as me. So I'm going to do it. So that's control doing the thing. But as you pointed out earlier, Tim, because of the, the difference in labor costs between, you know, what you can employ a VA from the Philippines for versus your own time, you could employ three or four people for a grand, an aggregate total of 10 or 12 bucks an hour. And even if they're only 70% as good at you at doing whatever simplistic, repetitive task, there's no possible way you could have a higher level of productivity than the aggregate of the three or four people that you hired. Yeah, absolutely. 
Could not agree more. Awesome. So let me ask you this. If, if I am an e-commerce seller, a business owner, entrepreneur, listen to this podcast right now, and you've basically poo-pooed on everything that I'm doing by talking about the misconceptions and the, the mistakes that people make, because we all do them. What is the, what is the best piece of advice on how to get started? Like, is that go and, you know, research other people's processes? Is it go and buy a done for you set? Is it go and hire somebody that will actually set up your processes? Which for me, that's been it. You know, not even set up my own, but hire someone that is a process engineer. What's like the first small baby step people can take that may be struggling with this that that you think will help put them on the right path? So I think there's two answers because there's two different types of people that we could be speaking to right now. One is the person who is not yet in business and the other person who's already started and they're starting to generate a small amount of revenue, but they're nowhere near where they want. So let's deal with them separately. For the person who hasn't yet started a business, and obviously I'm biased because I love the Amazon wholesale business. It's such a low risk business. It doesn't require a bunch of money to get started. I would say, you know, if you're looking for an online business to start that has immense upside potential, go and do that. Whether you watch my videos or buy my stuff or find somebody else, just start. And it's not hard. All it is, is it's the simplest business in the world. It's find profitable products on Amazon, contact the brands, try and establish a relationship. That's literally the business model. So go get started doing that if you haven't started doing something. The next person is um, the person who's already in business. And what I would encourage they do, you know, is if they want to become more process driven and they want to scale and they want to be able to start employing virtual assistants, look at, okay, what, what makes growth happen in my business? So in most businesses, that is um, either prospecting for clients or prospecting for suppliers or increasing web traffic if you've got an e-commerce business or whatever. And think, okay, so what are the what are the actual activities that cause that growth to occur? So let's just say if you're running a digital marketing agency, for example, or an Amazon reseller business, you need to prospect. You need to prospect for clients or you need to prospect for suppliers. Okay, so I need to prospect. Cool. Nobody likes prospecting. Nobody. So let's break prospecting down into as many micro steps as we can and then document what those steps are. And then once I've got good documentation, now I'm going to start delegating pieces of my prospecting to virtual assistants so that they can do it for me. So maybe I should be doing some stuff on LinkedIn. Well, there's a whole bunch of ways you can automate pieces of LinkedIn, but you can also, which is a violation of LinkedIn's terms of service. You have to be very careful about that, but you could also be having a VA uh, log in and do stuff for you manually, which is also a violation of LinkedIn's terms of services. But if you use a VPN, they'll never know. Um, and then get that one thing going. Okay, so maybe I should be doing cold email. Okay, we'll break that down. What does that look like? Step by step by step by step, create a process for it, and then figure out which pieces of cold email that you could delegate to somebody else. And you know, we could go on, but I, I think you get the idea. Is yeah, Regardless, is you, if you've never created a process before, make one. Just make one for the thing you hate doing the most that does not. And that thing can't require, you know, like years of experience and judgment and so forth. Like cold email does not require years of experience. 
um, break it down and get someone doing it for you so that you can do the thing that you're really good at, which in my case, when I started my Amazon reseller business, as I mentioned to you earlier, I was really good at making presentations and getting people to say yes to wanting to work with us. And I would do that. Like my calendar was full. Just think of how successful you could be if your calendar was full of qualified prospects every single week. Sure. So I know we're, we're coming up on time. We need to start wrapping it up, but you've also got a source for more information, right? I know you've got a place you can tell people about right now where they can go and get more information about processes and process engineering and outsourcing. Where is that? So there's a couple of places that, that I want to direct people to. One of them is we put together a, and I'm just pulling up the page to have a quick peek to make sure. Yeah, we put together a special offer of free stuff for your audience. It is a collection. I call it my growth accelerator pack. It is a collection of five of my done for you workflow templates that live in my Flowster software application. It's all free. You can go sign up if you go to flowster.app slash AM. PM. So if you want to get those five, do that. If you want to learn more about like if you if you've gotten interested in, hey, I really like this Amazon reseller idea. I want to get started and I want Trent's SOPs for that, you can get those by going to brightideas.co slash webs, W-E-B-S. There's videos and testimonials and sales page and the pricing and all that stuff. You can get that. If you're like super duper brand new and don't even know what this whole Amazon thing is all about, I do have a regularly recurring webinar and you could go to brightideas.co slash masterclass and that will enroll you in that webinar and I'll explain how my whole product sourcing thing works and all the tools that I use and give lots of examples. So those are probably three really good um, calls to action for people at various points in their journey. And you can't beat free. So I appreciate you putting together that uh, that free information. Again, that was uh, flowster.app slash AMPM. Did that's, I say that right? That's for the, yes. the free growth accelerator pack, yes. I usually mess that up. All right, great. Well, thank you, Trent, for being on. Uh, I want to be you know, respectful of your time, and I know that there are a lot of things you could be doing, but sitting down and, and sharing some of your experience and sharing your story and sharing your tips with our audience is uh, something I'm extremely thankful for. So thank you very much. And if we wanted to follow you on social media, where could we do that at? If you, for first off, thank you for having me on the show. I much appreciate it. Um, if you want to get links to all my social profiles, um, if you just go to brightideas.co, that's my, my, my personal brand blog you know, on the header or the footer or whatever, there's links to all my stuff and you can yep. follow whatever cool. you would like. Got it. Well, thank you again very much for being on. Thank you all for listening. If you are watching this on YouTube, make sure to give us a thumbs up and leave any questions in the comments below. And I'll make sure to get those questions to Trent, get those answered. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's uh, Spotify or iTunes or whatever it is, make sure to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. We'd love seeing that love come from you guys. We're getting tens of thousands of downloads now. And a lot of times we want to hear from you. So make sure that, uh, that you reach out. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. And yeah, we'd appreciate that, that feedback. So thank you again for, for being on. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you guys on the next episode.